Warm welcome to our visitors. Thank you for being here. We are encouraged and honored by your presence, and we hope to be an encouragement to you likewise. If you have a minute or two after service to stick around, we'd love to get to meet you and chat with you. This morning, I'd like to ask everybody a question. The question is, what would you say is the most popular verse in the Bible? I kind of give it away by the scripture reading, but I'll ask you, what would you say is the most popular verse in the Bible? Some folks might say Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Some folks might say John 1, verse 1. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But I think most folks would say what was our scripture verse that was read so well just a minute ago, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. In fact, curiosity, please indulge me. A show of hands. How many people would say John 3.16 is the most popular verse in the Bible? Okay, most of them. Thank you. So, I'm going to read that again. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to John 3.16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to read it together, and I'm going to read from the NIV. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I want to call your attention to one word in this verse. And that word is the first word, for. It's a little word, but it means a lot. Because this word is referring to something else that happens before this sentence, the rest of the verse. And what it's referring to is verses 14 and 15. So let's read them as well. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man, that is referring to himself, must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So here Jesus is saying that as the snake was lifted up, so he must be lifted up. Now, the last time I had the privilege to talk to you, we looked at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I recommended to you a method to look at stories and analogies in the Bible. Three-step method. One, ask why. Two, to simplify. And three, to compare. Ask why. That's an attitude as well as a technique. It's, why is this? Have you ever glossed over a passage in the Bible and there was a lot there and you just kind of glossed over it? I know I have. Guilty. No, and it's something to think about, to dwell about during the day and the night and, the, and during the week and to ask God, Lord, why is this? Not that we'll understand everything or be given all answers, but that we'll be constantly pondering and meditating on the word of God. Why? Here I would say that very question. It seems like Jesus is comparing himself to a snake. Why? Why is that? Well, in order to understand this, we need to look at the very story of Moses lifting up the snake in the desert. And we can do that in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. So if you would please turn with me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you're in Deuteronomy, go back one, one book to the left. To the book of Numbers. We're going to look at chapter 21 in Numbers. 
And we're going to start our reading in verse 4. Now the background here is that the Israelites, the Jews, were slaves in Egypt, and they were brought out of their slavery in Egypt with Moses, and they are journeying through the desert on foot to the promised land. Now, you can imagine the problems that occur when you're walking through a desert, the desert heat, the lack of food, the lack of water. And we're going to see that as we read this story, starting in verse 4. It says, they, that is the Jews, traveled from Mount Hor along the route, the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. That miserable food, by the way, is the manna that fell from heaven, given from God. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. And there we have the story of Moses lifting up the snake in the desert. But if we stop there, we're really not going to understand and appreciate what this story is all about. Step two, we're going to simplify we're going to go back and reread this story, and we're going to simplify these passages. We're going to take some parts of this, and we're going to make them as simple and as basic and as generic as possible to see their meaning underneath. So let's go back and look at verses 4 and 5. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Simplified. People sinned. I said it was simplified. I'll make it easy. People sinned. That's what happened here. Verse 6. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. Simplified. The Lord punishes sin. There's also another part of this. The people who sinned were harmed by a snake. The people who sinned were harmed by a snake. Verse 7. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. We'll simplify that, and we see that the people confessed their sins. They confess their sins, their wrongs. Let's look at the second half of verse 7. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now, here, this is an important point. Who was Moses? I know he was a man. He was a Jewish man. He was important among God's people. Here's who Moses is for the important part of this story. If you would put your finger here or mark this passage and turn with me 
over to Exodus, two books to the left. And we're going to look in Exodus chapter 3 and the account of the burning bush. And we're going to see who Moses is. In Exodus 3, in verse 9, God is speaking to Moses, and he says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, because the Israelites are in their slavery in Egypt. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Who is Moses? Moses is God's appointed leader. He is God's appointed leader to lead his people. Okay? Let's go back to Numbers chapter 21. So what happened here, to simplify this, is that God's appointed leader interceded for his people. God's appointed leader interceded for his people. Let's look at verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Now, again, the question, this is continual throughout. Why? Why this? Think about this. If I'm not the camping type. If I suppose I go camping and it would be by invitation only and I was dumb enough to accept the invitation, okay? We're in the middle of the desert, the middle of nowhere in the wilderness and I'm bitten by a snake. And my friend who invited me takes me to the emergency room, tells the doctor he's been bitten by a poisonous snake. And the doctor says, no problem. Make you a statue of a snake and put the eye on it and you'll be good to go. Now, no doubt you're going to be like me. You're going to be highly skeptical of this remedy. Blue Cross Blue Shield might pay for aromatherapy, might pay for a dog psychiatrist. Blue Cross Blue Shield ain't paying for this. It's ridiculous. Why would God do that? We're going to find out why in short order. But needless to say, it's ridiculous, but it worked. Look at verse 9. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. We simplify this, break this down to its very basic core. And we see that the Lord gave his leader a task and the leader finished his task. He finished his work. The result of that task was not a statue. The result of that task was that a snake was on a pole. A snake was on a pole. When the people looked to the finished job, they were healed of the harm caused by the snake. So I want to go over this one more time as far as telling you the simplified facts so you get the full impact of this. Simplified version. The people sinned. The Lord punishes sin. 
The people who sinned were harmed by a snake. The people confessed their sins. The Lord's appointed leader, God's appointed leader, interceded for them. God gave his leader a task. The leader finished his task, and the result of that was that a snake was on a pole. And when the people looked to the finished work, they were healed of the harm caused by that snake. Now, having heard all that together, does that remind you of anything that you have read anywhere else in the Bible? Because now the third step is we're going to compare these thoughts to similar sounding passages elsewhere in the Bible. So let's go to the New Testament. And first we're going to look at the people's sins. And does a verse come to mind? Well, let's look at Romans. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And in Romans chapter 3, in verse 23, very short verse, Paul writes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Next, let's look at the Lord punishes sin. And let's turn over to 2 Thessalonians. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy. And let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. We say, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So here we see that God will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. Our next fact, the people who sinned were harmed by a snake. Let's turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And in Revelation, in chapter 12, we're going to take up in verse 7. Here John writes, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. All right, our next fact. We'll look at people confess their sins. And to do that, we'll look at 1 John 1. So we'll just flip over a few books to the left. 1 John 1. And here again, John writes in verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. So here we see if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Next, let's look at the Lord's appointed leader interceded for his people. And to do that, we'll look at 1 Timothy. 
So let's turn to 1 Timothy. And in chapter 2, we read in verse 5, where Paul writes, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There is but one mediator, and he intercedes for us, between us and God. Next we'll see that God gave his leader a task. And to do that, let's turn back to John. The Gospel of John, where we started. And in John chapter 4, we read in John 4, in verse 34, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, that is, God the Father, and to finish his work. To finish his work. So Jesus has a job, a task, and it is up to him to finish his work. And then I refer you to chapter 19 to see if he did indeed finish his work. Jesus' last words on the cross in verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Here we see that God's appointed leader finished his task. Simplified fact, the result was a snake was on a pole. And here, this gets really interesting. Let's turn to Esther, that's being taught so well. Wednesday, let's, let's turn to Esther, the book of Esther. And that's right before Job and Psalms, between Nehemiah and Esther. We're going to start reading from chapter 9 in Esther. Now, the situation in Esther is that the Jews have been removed from the promised land. They are ruled by a Gentile king. Esther's queen who pleases the king, she has petitioned the king for permission basically to defend the Jews, for the Jews to defend themselves because one of the leaders of, among the Gentiles, Haman, wants to wipe out the Jews. He wants to commit genocide and wipe the Jews out. She, of course, being a Jew, she wants to protect her people. So the king grants her permission, and the Jews fight back. And we see in chapter 9, verse 5, the Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. And they did what they pleased to those who hated them in the citadel of Susa. The Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They also killed... And there's a long list there. We'll have a quiz after the sermon to see if you memorize the words. I'm just kidding. Verse 10, the ten sons of Haman. Okay, they're listed. They killed the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamathadiah, the, the enemy of the Jews. Verse 11, the number of those slain in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men. And the ten sons of Haman in the citadel of Susa, what have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? It will also be granted. If it pleases the king, Esther answered, give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edict tomorrow also. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged on gallows. So the king commanded that this be done. The ten sons of Haman to be hanged on gallows. That is a gallows pole. 
Now that could refer to hanging, but it refers to impaling, to being impaled on a gallows pole, okay? And again, the question is, why? We read in verse 5, the Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing them. They were already dead. What is the purpose of hanging them, impaling them on a gallows pole? Well, historically, this is a practice that's been done throughout the centuries. It was done in the time of Esther, and it was done in, especially during the time of the Roman armies. When the Roman army would conquer a city, they would take the defeated troops and impale them on poles on the road leading into the city so that everyone could see that the enemies of Rome were totally destroyed. It was done to make a sign of them. It was done to make a public spectacle of them, to show everybody that they were defeated. Here this was done to make a sign of Haman's ten sons, to show everybody that they had been totally and utterly defeated. Turn with me to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 13, we're going to see how a snake was on a pole. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations, and that is referring to the Old Testament, the law of Moses, that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, all powers, all authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus Christ, God's appointed leader, when he finished the work that God gave him, the result was that a snake was on a pole. That is, that old serpent, the devil, who harmed the whole world, was totally and utterly defeated. He was made a public spectacle so that everybody, the whole world, can see that he is defeated and that Jesus Christ is conquerors. And we are conquerors with him. That's why God said, make a snake and put it on a pole. And our last simplified verse. When the people looked to the finished work, they were healed of the harm caused by the snake. And again, that's John 3.15 and 16. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We have been healed of the harm done by that awful old snake, for he is totally and utterly defeated. John 3.16, 
Everybody knows John 3.16. But now you know the story connected to John 3.16 and the real meaning behind that story. Ask why, simplify, and compare. Use it on your favorite story in the Bible. I'd love to hear what you come up with. And to anyone who's not a Christian, I say this to you. You have been harmed by a snake, by the devil. And the only way to be healed of that harm is to look to the finished work of God's appointed leader, Jesus Christ. That is to believe in him. In Acts chapter 2, we read in verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. We're, we can be sure that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're not a Christian, please don't walk out of here today without becoming a Christian. Be healed of the harm caused by that serpent, that snake, and believe in Jesus. If you're willing, won't you come forward now while we stand and we sing?